Previewing DC United's decision day matchup against FC Cincinnati. That'll be Sunday at Audi Field. Get there if you can, obviously. Uh, watch it on Flow if you're in the immediate DC area or ESPN Plus if you're further afield. 4 p.m. kickoff uh, for, for this one. The black and red can lock up home field with the number four seed, at least get home field for the first round of the playoffs with a win against FC Cincinnati. Meanwhile, uh, the, the, new team from Ohio whose nicknames I'm going to have to ask our guest about later in the show uh, have long since locked up the wooden spoon for their inaugural season. So they, they get some hardware out, out of this year. Laurel Failer covers FC Cincinnati for the athletic among other things. And she is here to help us preview this one. Laurel, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. We have a tradition on this show and, and we gave you a heads up. What are you drinking? Well, I am actually the only Ohio University graduate I know that doesn't drink beer, but I do like a good glass of wine. So I'm actually having a glass of sangria. So I oh, I like it. On, nice. On that. <laughs> Very nice. So uh, because I, I talked myself into a corner and didn't have a way to get out of it, what are some of the nicknames that, that FC Cincinnati have developed? Well, the main one, which, so it started out basically, I don't know how it came about, but people started calling them the orange and blue. And then. Straightforward. The other, yeah. The, the other one is basically just FCC. And then people get really upset around town if you just refer to them as FC, which makes sense because there are lots of FCs, but. Yeah, if if you're a new soccer fan, then you're probably going to hear FCC or FC coming out of a lot of fans now. So, all right, if you want to make uh, Cincinnatians irrationally angry, go there and talk about FC. That's what I've learned yeah. tonight. Um, <laughs> and because it's 2019, trolling is all we have. So, uh, I think we can end, end the interview there. Thank you, <laughs> Adam. You're from Indiana. Let, let's I, not. I, I am. It's true. Uh, so I mentioned FCC are, are at the bottom of the table this year, and it's it's unfortunately for, for you guys not particularly close. What's the diagnosis been this year, and what's the way forward? Well, I mean, obviously it's been a rough season. There's been a lot of change. Um, they went away from Alan Codge to had been with them through the last two seasons in USL. Um, they gave him the boot in early May, so um, handed it over to assistant coach Yohan DeMay for a while as an interim coach, and then at the beginning of August, I think, okay, yeah, they brought in um, Ron Yan, and so that's been a lot of change for the players um, who had been basically – recruited by Alan Koch and um, playing 
a very different system under him. Uh, they didn't really know what system they were playing under him. It kind of changed. They built the team around defense and were leaking goals left and right. So that didn't work out. Um, and now lately um, with Ron Yons, he, he wanted to play more of a possession style built out of the back um, with a high press. And it started out okay. Um, they, his first match, um, the August 10th, I believe, against uh, Columbus Crew on the road. They worked, uh, they, they ended up with the lead and were lucky to get away with the draw. Um, but we're satisfied with that because they really sort of lost that game in the end. But um, they thought felt okay about it. They They were doing his style pretty well and um, then all of a sudden, just teams started really seeing the space that was behind the back line. They were really u- utilizing that space to to create opportunities, and um, they ended up with a five-one loss to Toronto FC a few weeks ago, and decided that they just needed to get some results. So they backed away from that style, started playing more compact on defense. And the defense, which has given up a record 75 goals this season, has actually looked better the last four games. Um, They were minutes away from their third clean sheet in the last four games yesterday when they gave up a late goal to um, Orlando City. So... You know, it, it looks bad because they've given up so many goals. They have actually improved on defense, and that's kind of the thing that people are looking at because that entire back line that they've finally gotten healthy um, is going to be back next year or is ex- at least expected to be back next year. So, Laurel, with Alan Koch uh, being gone for a while now and with Jeff Bearding stepping back uh, in the middle of the season – what is FC Cincinnati going to do going forward? What is their identity and, and who is crafting that identity going forward? Uh, well, Jeff Birding stepping away was actually, sorry to cut his last name is Birding. Um, he stepped away. He was more of a business guy, um, politician background, um, had been with the Bengals for a long time and more of a sales and marketing type role. And he really didn't know how to put together a roster. And that's yeah. unfortunately that fell on him in the beginning uh, with Alan Koch and technical director, Luke Lucano having it was kind of a little triangle between those, among those three making the roster decisions. And well, I, I think Luke Lucano um, has been a, a great addition and he, I think he's fine with what he's doing. Um, it wasn't so good having a guy with so little soccer background kind of at the top of that triangle making the, the final say on roster decisions. So, and he realized that. And he did um, say when he, he hired um, Gerard Nijkamp, um over from the, the Netherlands, um, he, he basically said, you know, I wish I would have done this a year ago. Um, but his focus was on getting the stadium planned together, um, getting just just getting going for MLS. Um, and he 
just said he wanted to learn from other teams to see what, what was working with them. So he wasn't so much focused on getting that GM right away. Um, now that there is an actual GM that has soccer background, although he's still learning MLS rules and um, all the things that, you know, we're still figuring out with Cam and Gam and all that stuff. Um, he, he does have that soccer background and people really like his first signing. He brought in center back, uh, Michael Vanderwerf, um, and he's been pretty steady in the, um, in that role since he came on. Um, and the identity that they're looking to have is just playing that possession style. They, they want to be more attack minded, but building up from the back and just really playing that Dutch style and, I think we'll see um, a lot of changes in the roster in the offseason. It'll be interesting to see because obviously it hasn't worked what they're doing with this roster. They've had to tweak it. And so it'll be interesting to see what they can do to actually bring in guys that will fit that style. Um, speaking of some of the players that have been coming in and out, um, um Joe Jiao is is from this area. Um, he's from uh, Silver Spring. Um, and it's interesting because he's a player that was talked about for a long time in national team circles uh, because he was playing in Germany. Um, but he's had so many injuries in his career. But uh, he's kind of a low-profile uh, summer window signing. Uh, how has he been doing? And what are Cincinnati's expectations for him, not just for one game left in the season, but for next year as well? Well, um, he is coming off his best game. He played really well yesterday. Um, I think he's really settled in nicely with the team, um, and he is going to be back next year. He's on a guaranteed contract. I did confirm that yesterday with him. But uh, so I, I think that, and he's actually, um, I think that he'll fit well with um, their style. And that was one of the things that they really were looking for was. Um, and they they did end up bringing Joe and then um, oh my gosh, uh, Derek Eddian from New York Red Bulls on loan, which his loan um, will end at the end of the season, but they do have the option to buy. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see what they do with that. But just the fact that they did bring in those two wingers did show that they, that was a focus. They wanted to um, get those kinds of players that can have, more impact than the attack because that's been a, a real weak spot as well. I mean, I guess everything's been been weak for the team this year, but finishing has been has been a, a problem. And um, Joe seemed a little timid at first, trying to uh, he was doing well getting into the attack and moving the ball around, but uh, just seemed a little hesitant getting some sh- shots off. And just the last couple games, it seems he's gotten a little more confidence in that area and. He's, he's looking a lot better. Uh, speaking of, I, I mean, I hate to keep bringing it back to this area, but um, uh, I know Darren Maddox, um, it didn't, didn't go that well. He's been injured now for a little while, it feels like. Um, what does the team want to do with him? Because I know I've brought up that DC has probably missed um, – what he brought to the table last year. And it seems like things in Cincinnati did maybe both parties aren't happy, but uh, that's from afar. I was hoping um, 
that you might know more than me on the on the topic? Um, he is a tough one to figure out. Um, I think he could have done a little more um, with this team this year. Um, he had opportunities because Fernando Adi had been hurt, and um, they they were missing pieces throughout the year that they needed him. And he had some really good moments. His speed, they really liked. They really liked his effort. Um, he had a really hard time adjusting to Ron John's style. Uh, for some reason, he just wasn't, I don't know if he wasn't grasping what Ron wanted out of him or if he was just kind of doing his own thing, but he did kind of get called out at one point for not playing to the style that, that Ron wanted. And so he ended up, and, or he was full at halftime at a game, and then I think didn't even make the trip to Dallas. Um, and then the next game, he ended up replacing um, Rashawn Dolly at halftime. And it seemed like it kind of clicked. And then he um, ended up getting hurt uh, a couple games ago, and he's out for the season. So uh, I did try to find out where he kind of stands. Uh, he did not want to divulge his contact information with me, which I found interesting because I actually haven't had any of the players tell me that they didn't want to talk about that. And he he did not want to. He, he said it was his personal, and I understand that, you know, that different guys have different opinions on sharing that kind of information, but it does seem like there's something going on there where either he's not happy or that he knows the team's not happy with him or one of those things. So <laughs> I unfortunately can't um, shed too much more light on that, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if he's not back next year. So Laurel, if, your team isn't uh, New York City FC. You have to come into MLS with at least some semblance of a stadium plan. And uh, FC Cincinnati is currently playing at Nippert Stadium. There was some talk about a stadium uh, in Oakley, but it seems like now the uh, the plan and it seems like a it's the approved plan is in uh, is in the West End near uh, near. Uh, uh, the museum center and union terminal. What has been the saga of, of the, of the stadium and, and, and how's it going right now? They are a little behind on stadium construction. They had some uh, minor hiccups come up. Um, it, it has been a saga. Originally they wanted to, when they were first trying to get into MLS and they had to kind of rush through a plan um, just to show that they, you know, had some kind of plan. Uh, they were going to go across the river to Newport, Kentucky. Um, it was the easiest one to, to put on the table because they only needed to get approval from, or they needed to buy it up like one piece of property, basically. Then um, MLS really, well, the owners also, they wanted to stay in Cincinnati. They didn't want to be in Kentucky um, because the owners of the team are diehard Cincinnati, everything Cincinnati, and it just wasn't going to be the same if it wasn't in Cincinnati. So they wanted to try to work something out. So then it moved to Oakley, which is um, 
that was going to be a nightmare. Um, there's this. Yeah, I, I, I grew up. I grew up uh, about like two miles from Oakley. It'd have been terrible oh. for it'd have been terrible for sock for a state for a, like yeah. a giant stadium. It'd have been real bad. Yeah, yeah, it would have been a nightmare. Especially, I don't know if you're familiar with the. I think it's Crossroads Church is there. Oh um, yeah, oh yeah, I know that yeah. one. So park, yeah, parking was going to be a nightmare. Oh yeah, it's going to be out. awful. Yeah, so. That was kind of just on the table for a little while, and then it quickly changed to the West End, and which was really where they wanted to be. It's uh, more of an urban area, not far from downtown, um, but it's this up-and-coming area, um, a lot of bars, and um, that's kind of that vibe that MLS wants right now with their stadium. So um, they ended up, uh, basically, they, they bought the... There's a, a high school there. They bought the stadium, the football stadium. They convinced Cincinnati Public Schools to let them tear down the stadium, and they were going to build a new one, like right across the street. But the stadium that they, the football stadium that they ended up tearing down, um, it was a historical, um, well-known um, person in town that it was named after, and. Um, so there was some drama over that, but they needed that specifically because that was the only was the only space with areas around it that they could buy up and tear down some things. So um, it's just been, there's been all these things coming out, like they're displacing all these residents and all these business owners and they're tearing down this church and you know, things that happen all the time with when corporations are, are making moves like this, but whenever it's a, a sports team, it kind of comes out of the woodwork a little more. And so they've had a few hiccups. They changed architects. Um, the music hall building had concerns that it was going to affect um, the sound of their performances if it was on at the same time as a game. And they did the sound study. So that became a problem. The Cincinnati Ballet Company was concerned about their parking getting torn down. And so it's just been a lot of little things, but it seems like they've got most of it under control now. They, I mean, they are um, in the construction phase now, So, uh, but they, I think they are still a little behind. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up having to start because it'll be ready for the 2021 season, but I wouldn't be surprised if they have to play the first few or maybe even several games on the road before they can actually open the field or open yeah, the I mean, stadium. That, that, that's what DC United had to do. They played far more. Well, their first 14. Yeah, too, too many games, but that's just how the construction went. Yeah. So it's we can talk project. about... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, was, I mean, it's a big project. It, you that was kind of rushed in the beginning because they needed it done for them to get into MLS and MLS wanted them for this year uh, to balance the conferences. And they were happy enough with Nippert Stadium as a an option for the first two seasons that uh, it, it was going to work out, but they just, I, I, it just rushed everything with the stadium plans. And I think that that was to be expected that there would be some hiccups. So we can talk about things like soccer and people's lives and construction and development and all those 
things that might matter elsewhere, but but for a moment, I want to focus you on regional cuisine and and ask you your opinion on what what I think is has been assigned to Cincinnati. I don't know how many I, I want to know if people in Cincinnati actually claim Skyline Chili as as often as it seems to be. Adam, the case. It's great. Skyline it's really not. great. It's great. <laughs> I mean, it's the question everybody asks whenever someone comes to visit. You, you say, oh, well, you've got or anyone new in town. Have you tried Skyline? And yeah, it really is. Um, if, if you grew up here, then you just kind of automatically like it. If you're not from here, then it's completely different from anything you you would expect. I mean, it's chili. It's on not chili. Spaghetti. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's pasta sauce. It's got like a cinnamon I think cinnamon is kind of yep. one of the secret ingredients. Um, but I grew up on it, and it's I love it. it it's love great, it and I will. Too. It's great, and I will fight you if you don't like it. Yes, it, it is great. You got. I mean, I'm just a three way with the cheese. I don't do the onions and all that. But no, I, I, um, I do a four. I do a four way. Onions, not beans. Yeah. So well, beans is the fifth in the five way. Yes. Yes. Adam, you seem disappointed, but you also did this to yourself by bringing it I, up. I did. No, I, I want. I want <laughs> to understand what it is about this. And you knew I was from Cincinnati. That people call chili, and also Adam, I wanted to know Ben. Adam, you knew I was from Cincinnati. We invited another Cincinnati guest on. You knew you were outnumbered. You guys are talking about like specific intersections in Cincinnati, and I'm just like, I want to make fun of your food. <laughs> <laughs> and again, uh, I'm from well, Indiana. We eat pork tenderloin sandwiches that are like the meat is like eight times bigger than the bun. It's ridiculous, but so, I love it, and I completely Adam, understand if people Adam, make fun of it. Really, what we should do since since two third uh, since three quarters of our uh, Three quarters of us are Midwesterners. It should we should all gang up on Jason. Yeah, but crabs are awesome. Yeah, it, I mean crabs are awesome. It's, it's <laughs> like, an unassailable local cuisine. It's true. There, there's many things about Maryland that we can mock and we will and have. Um, but, but but crabs are great. Crabs are great. Anyone who comes for DC half smokes or mumbo sauce, I'm going to fight you. So like, I'm fighting tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after before before we turned on the mics, Ben was like, I don't like violent metaphors. And we're all talking about fighting each other over food because that's what matters. Jason, take us back to soccer. Yes. Um, Laurel, I, I know that the last few weeks uh, since the coaching change, um, the team has started to show a little better. Like you said, the um, the defense is all of a sudden no longer bleeding goals every single game. Um, what other players have sort of made the best sales pitch for them to stick around for 2020? Um, well, Alan Cruz uh, has been, he's the MVP of the team this year, but he actually already was on a guaranteed contract for next year. Um, they now are kind of looking at him as they, they want to lock him up for even longer. They want him mm-hmm. to be kind of one of the players they build around for going into that new stadium in 2021. Um, people love him. He, I mean, he's just, if they score early, which doesn't happen often, it seems like it's always him. Mm-hmm. Um, he leads the team with seven goals. I know that's not a lot, but <laughs> uh, considering he was not playing his natural pos- position for most of the year, he was playing more, He's playing more of an attacking um, center mid role now, which he's more comfortable with. Um, and he he just he 
seems like whenever he goes off for Costa Rica um, national team duties, he comes back just with this new level of confidence. And he's, I think, just getting more comfortable. Um, he's learning some English friendly um, and taking some classes. And it seemed like um, in the beginning he was really timid and didn't, you know, was kind of uh, latching on to the other guys that can speak Spanish. Um, now he's kind of getting more comfortable, and you can even tell when they're translating questions that he already knows what you asked. So just he he looks more comfortable just life in general and um, in the locker room and on the field. So so that's been a bright spot. Um, the other guy that has been really impressive lately, he got off to a slow start. Um, but was the USL team's MVP last year, um, Emmanuel Ledesma. He has really come on at the end of the season, and the fans just love him. He's a very passionate player. Um, he will stay after games and sign autographs well beyond the 15 minutes that they have some of the guys doing that. Um, you'll see him sometimes an hour after the final whistle still out there signing autographs. So the fans love him, and I cannot imagine the team. Well, he is one of the guys that um, was on a one-year deal with an option, and I just can't imagine the team will not bring him back. Um, he's got a great left foot. Um, his crosses are just fantastic. He, he really um, – he does have a nice touch on the ball, and, and he adds a lot to the team. So I think that's someone that they want to want to keep around. Um, can we think? Uh, Greg Garza, um, I know he's injured a lot, but he's finally healthy, and he, he'll be back next year on a guaranteed contract. Um, so if they can keep him healthy, he'll be a key to that back line again next year. And, I mean, he is a big reason that the defense is playing better now. You you look at the record of the team and the, their stats when he's playing versus when he's not, and it's complete, it's night and day. So he, if they can keep him healthy, that's, that's key. And then they also finally, um, at the end of the summer transfer window, brought in a backup for if Greg Garza is injured, then they've got Andrew Gutman, who is on loan, um, from Celtic FC, or CF, yeah. um, they'll be, he'll be through um, 2020 on loan. So um, those are some of the key players that I think will play roles next year. Laurel, thanks for coming on the show. I think that's, right. that's all we've got for you. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you online? I am on Twitter at Laurel Taylor, so it's L-A-U-R-E-L, E as in Paul, F as in Frank, A-H-L-E-R. Um, and then you can read my content at The Athletic, um, either on the soccer page or if you go to The Athletic Cincinnati, I'm on there as well. And I also do some writing for WCPO.com. I'll put that out there because the rest of the first ones to hire me to, to do some FC Cincinnati content. So... I'm kind of a, I'm, just, I'm a freelancer, so I'm, I'm out there in different spots, but hope you guys can check out my work. All right. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Find us on Twitter at filibuster. 
DCU or at Black and Red U. If you want to support us financially, do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Find us, download, rate, review, subscribe, whatever else, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly, though, just tell a friend about the show when you're tailgating before the game on Sunday. Just just mention that you listen to this podcast and spread the word organically. I think the marketers call that an authentic something or other. Don't get into marketing speed. That's bad. I apologize. Uh, thanking Laurel one more time. I'm Adam for Jason. Ben, we'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Thank Jason. You. Uh, I apologize on behalf of Adam. I, I already have.